0: The text for the sermon this day is taken from that Old Testament reading, which was read to you earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Last, this past Sunday, or this past weekend, Pastor Salcedo, when he was preaching, you got to hear about the shortcuts that Abraham tried to take to get a son. Well the story well it turned out that he did get a son. He eventually got a son by the by his wife Sarah. His, son, his name was Isaac and he was very in his very advanced years, over a, approaching 100 years old, he had that child Isaac. Well then God came to this man who had waited so, so very long to have a child who finally got that child and tells him, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I shall tell you. There he is given that harsh command from God, that he is to sacrifice his only son. Now he did have Ishmael, but it's his only son by his wife, Sarah. And so he made the journey to Moriah, and they went and they climbed up the mountain, and as they got towards the top, Isaac wisely asked the question, Behold the fire... Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And so imagine as he got to that point where he had to bind the hands of his son and the legs and lay him upon that altar, and you could imagine as he shook and trembled, as he lifted up that dagger to slay his only son. But as he lifted that dagger, he heard the words from God, Do not hurt the boy. And so it was this moment of testing. And the thing is, is well, for Abraham, it's testing Abraham's faith. One, recognizing that he would not have that child if it wasn't for God. I mean, I don't know about you, I've not seen too many 80 year old women giving birth. I don't know, maybe you see different things than I do. But that was an incredible thing, clearly an act of God. And so he had to recognize that the fact that Isaac, he has Isaac at all, is a gift and he did not withhold it. But we also have these words out of Romans, the epistle reading, which tells us that he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Because he knew the promise that through Isaac there would be offspring as numerous as the stars above. And so not only did he... Was it him not withholding from God, but it was also him trusting God's word. And so he he did not have to slay his son. And there he found in in the thicket a ram caught. And they slayed that ram and offered that ram as a sacrifice in place of his son Isaac. Throughout the Bible, you have many episodes, many incidents upon mountains. Shoot forward many years later, and you have Moses on Mount Sinai. He gives those Ten Commandments. You shall, not, you shall have no other God before me. You shall not use the Lord's name in vain. You shall remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You shall honor your father and your mother. You shall, not kill, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. Now granted it's not exactly in that order, but that's how we have it in our catechism. And so those commandments were given. And it was many years later that Jesus would be on another mount and he would give a sermon. A sermon on the mount as it's called where he would expand upon those commandments. He began by saying that unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. In the time of Jesus, the scribes and the Pharisees were the models of righteousness. And so for the crowd to hear that your righteousness must must exceed theirs would strike terror into the hearts and minds of everyone listening. And then Jesus told them, if you have ever looked lustfully upon another woman, you have committed adultery with her in your heart. If you've ever said of your brother, you fool, or if you've ever hated your brother, or if you've ever neglected to care for your brother when you could, You have committed murder. As you go through that Sermon on the Mount, the law comes after you over and over and over. And it's then that you realize that your righteousness is far, far short of what God demands. That your righteousness is but filth. And the thing is, is that there is no sacrifice that can be made to atone for it. By you, I should say. You cannot put up a sacrifice of your works. You can't be extra nice to one another to cover up all of your sin. You cannot pay more money towards it. You cannot sacrifice your time. You cannot cannot even sacrifice your own family. You cannot even sacrifice yourself because none of it is enough to cover our sinfulness. None of it is enough to gain righteousness. The righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. But you see, our God, just as he did for Isaac, provided another sacrifice he provided that ram caught in the thicket and that ram was laid upon the upon the altar on mount moriah and he was sacrificed in the place of isaac so also there was the lamb that was caught in a thicket the thicket was a was a crown of thorns placed upon his skull pressed firmly into his skull with blood dripping down his brow. This lamb was beaten, crushed, battered. His nails were driven into his hands, into his feet, as he was nailed to the altar of the cross. He is none other than the Lamb of God. He is not a sheep. But he is the very one who said unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. It is Jesus. He is the one who was caught in that thicket. He is the one who is provided as a sacrifice by God. He is the one who is, provides the righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. He is the atonement. He is the blood offering. And it's on on the mountain of Calvary, on the place of Golgotha, the place of the skulls. And all of this, Jesus did this because as we live through this world, as we've been talking about it throughout these first few weeks of Lent, we talked about the reality that we are exiles. We are, like the nation of Israel, as they're they exiles in Babylon, we are exiles in this land. We live in a world where we, we long more and more for our home because we do, all we have to do is look at the news. All we have to do is see the flooding of, over along the Ohio River Valley. All we have to do is listen to the, the, the struggles, especially in light of a horrific shooting on, on Ash Wednesday. The fact that we, talk, we have to talk about safety for, for our schools the way that we do. The fact that people we love are sick and dying. The fact that, that people talk about the, the way they do about others, the way people talk of their classmates in school, the way that people talk about those who they work with, the way we talk about our family members, our friends, the way we even talk about those who we go to church with. The way this world is, as broken as it is, as the constant reminder keeps thrusting at us we long for a better world we long for a real home and so it is for that reason that the lamb of god the one who was the lamb of god jesus was provided as a sacrifice in place of you in place place of me he is the blood offering. He is the one who took away, who gave you His righteousness, covered you of all of your sin, and declared, gave you the righteousness that is greater than the scribes and the Pharisees. And it's because of that we look forward to Mount Zion. Listen to what the writer to the Hebrews says. This is in chapter 12. For you have not come to what may be touched, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel that mount zion that is a place that god is destining us for but here's the thing is before as we wander in exile he gives us a taste of it because in the new testament whenever you read read about the sprinkled blood It is talking about the Lord's Supper. For when you come to the Lord's Supper, you get a glimpse of Mount Zion. When you come to this altar to receive the very body and blood of Jesus, you come to the place where heaven and earth meet. You come to the place where the, the innumerable angels are in festal gathering. Where the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven. Who are the firstborn? That would be like Peter, Paul. All those people that you read about in the Bible who were faithful under the point of death. And to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. You come to those who were made righteous by the blood of the Lamb, by the, right, the, the righteousness that exceeded the, that of the scribes and the Pharisees. This is anybody that has ever died in the faith. For everyone here, that's a different name. For me, it would be my Grandpa David, or my Grandma Maya, which is Mary in English, but Maya for Finn's my Grandpa Ollie, my Uncle Howard, or Norma Justice, a dear member of my, four, my home congregation who was laid to rest last Friday. It is then that you, those are the assembly of the righteous made perfect. When you come to the Lord's Supper, where, that is where heaven and earth meet. That is where you are united to all who have died in the faith, all who have gone before us. That's why we say, in the end of the creed, we believe in what? The communion of saints. We've been saying that all those years. You think we're just saying it for the fun of it? No, you commune with the saints. We say it in our liturgy. And and by the way, this is in the contemporary and the traditional service. Therefore, with angels, archangels, and all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, you are confessing that when you are worshiping, when you come to the Lord's Supper, you are united with the angels, the archangels, and all the company of heaven, as is confessed in this letter to the Hebrews. We get a glimpse of Mount Zion. We get a taste of it. We get a piece of heaven every time we hear God's word and there even more intimately, every time we receive the Lord's Supper. And we receive it longing all the more and knowing and having confidence in the day when we arrive at the fullness of, of that mount, when we arrive at the place where the dead, at the time when God will rise, all raise the dead. Those who are in faith will rise to eternal life. That's the mount that we are destined for. On Mount Moriah, it was a sacrifice of Isaac, and the, the sacrifice of a ram in the place of Isaac pointing forward to Christ who was sacrificed in the place of us all, which destines us for Mount Zion, of which we get a taste every time we gather together here. We are are those in exile. We wander in this world struggling, burdened but we look forward to Mount Zion because that is where our God is leading us, where there is no death, where there is no nastiness between people, where there is peace and there is everlasting strength, no death, no sickness, no hunger, none of it. So until we meet in Mount Zion to God, be all glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keeping the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Please stand.